People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Ready to add some personality to your porch? This month, you can build your very own mum planter at the Home Depot's free do-it-yourself workshop. Make this stylish, practical outdoor piece with step-by-step -step help from an experienced store associate. Then use that planter to add color to your porch. Perfect for fall and fall flowers. Today is the day for doing. Register at homedepot.com workshops. Thursday, September 19th at 6.30 p.m. The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. For listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Steve Majotter, and joining me, as always, is Jake Petrova and Armand Kafai. And on today's episode, we talk about the U.S. men's national team and Major League Soccer. Before we get to anything, you know the drill. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and follow us at Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. Listeners, boys, welcome, welcome. We are recording here Wednesday night during the midweek MLS action we will not be able to talk about any of the games not only because they are currently going on right now but Jake's got a game recording and we're not allowed to talk about it Armand but did you see yeah it's a it's a great game you, you, I mean do you see the <laughs> score Ooh, ooh, ooh. I, I don't know if Jake will be happier or, or I'm in upset. the 20th minute of a nil-nil game it could be 5-0 Houston <laughs> it could be 5-0 Minnesota United I don't know it's nil-nil right now 20th minute and all you guys are doing is telling me oh damn Thomas Chacon or oh damn Vito Monone just scored I get that every 30 <laughs> seconds out of the blue oh! so yeah I get one of those <laughs> wow what a strike from uh, Aiko Para <laughs> we love to see it thundering see strike it. hey he, he's in contention for uh, MLS defender of the year just saying it's not, yeah, it's not it, ludicrous. It, what, so what's our version of that award? We'll, we'll come up with that later. Anyway, Jake and Armand, the U.S. men's national team played a friendly against Uruguay in St. Louis. Jake, what happened? Well, Stephen, the U.S. men's national team came away with a 1-1 draw against Uruguay, who ranked fifth in the FIFA standings on Tuesday night. LAFC's Brian Rodriguez scored the goal for the visitors while a fluky deflected cross from Nick Lima found the head of Jordan Morris, who was standing at the far post to equalize for the U.S. The U.S. were able to dominate the possession battle against Uruguay's B team 59% to 41%, which I'm sure is something that will make Greg Burhalter proud. 
Berhalter post-match said, we just played two different teams with two very important challenges. Against CONCACAF teams, we will play teams that are very compact like Uruguay. We have to understand how to break those teams down. Mexico was a totally different challenge. Mexico is a high-pressing, active team in front of a loud, boisterous crowd. Mexico presented us with good challenges, but also good learning opportunities. Now, guys, I watched a little bit of the match last night, and even though they were able to draw Uruguay, the U.S. still looked a long way from being a team that can compete in the 2022 World Cup. But Beralter added during his uh, post-match press conference, tonight was about the tenacity and relentlessness of our guys to keep fighting. Overall, I think it was a good step for the group to play a game like this. This gets us to our question of the day at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. What's most important for the U.S. men's national team right now? Steven, let's start with you. Um, most important thing right now for the U.S. men's national team is actually results. I know a lot of you listeners, well, maybe a few listeners, but a lot of people on Reddit, the social media, Twitter sphere, Facebook, are all about development. That's great. But you need a winning culture. And right now, the U.S. men's national team have absolutely no winning culture. Yeah, Great, beat up on Panama and Carousel, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago. But, Jake, Armand, are those the type of teams that you would see in a World Cup group stage, round a 16 quarterfinal? No, but the type of teams you'll see in World Cup qualifying, which the U.S. couldn't do last uh, <laughs> uh, la- la- last time. So, uh, yeah. No, They're so, still there. But, but the thing is... You see the scoreline, Mexico 3, USA 0, and you're like, wow. And then you see the scoreline of Uruguay 1, USA 1, and if you know anything or you read the headline, USA draw the fifth-ranked team in the world, it has to mean something. It's still a friendly. I'm sorry, listeners, but the results matter at the end of the day because if the United, if the United States had won the Gold Cup, this past summer, we would be looking at these results and say, hey, you know what? They just won the Gold Cup in, in Burhalter. We we somewhat trust. There, there's progress. Okay, Burhalter's stubborn. He's going to stick to his guns. Armand and I were here on a recent episode saying that the lack of changes versus Mexico were growing pains. We, we actually don't see a problem with what he did there. But the fact that they've been outclassed by Mexico, they can barely compete with any decent teams the performances are so up and down you have question marks with depth with who is even our starting striker results help mask those issues it helps calm people down Greg Berhalter got testy in his press conference versus Mexico guarantee you after the result versus Uruguay he was less testy you know why because he just put a 1-1 scoreline on the 5th world team yes it was a friendly but results matter i think they should be worried about the nations league coming up i mean sure they're playing against you know a team like first off cuba 
which I mean isn't that good, but I know a nice challenge to a Canadian team who's on the rise. No, I, they need to pay attention to these. You know, these matches that have competitive value. Look, they need to dominate Nations League because look, they're better than Canada and they're better than Cuba. If that doesn't happen, you know, the focusing on development thing should kind of go out the window. I think that in like a an alarm bell or an alarm should be going off. Um, because that's a competitive match. And if they're starting competitive matches and something is really wrong, that has to be their next focus. And I think also one of their new, another focus has to be, uh, I guess, capping Sergio Dest. I know it's a really specific one, but obviously the Dutch are, it looks like they're talking to him at some point. They need to try and cap him, if but you're I don't Dest, think it's going to happen. If I don't you're think Dest, it happens. Do you, would you rather play for the Dutch or for the U.S.? Uh, that's tough because he he grew up in the in the uh, U.S. Uh, youth systems and he's friends with a lot of like, the younger guys. So if that younger generation comes up, he'll be a part of that. But he was also born in the Netherlands. He's, I guess, he has a very Dutch background. Sure, so it's, I, it's, look, it's up in the air. This is a very complicated issue for dual nationals. We know on the show, Armand and I are both dual nationals. We have our hearts in different places. But I'm just asking you, Armand, if you looked at it football wise. The best opportunity to win silverware on the international stage. I think you personally say, you know what? If you want the challenge, go with the Dutch. With the U.S., you have a guaranteed spot. Now, guys, I just, I just want to stop you right there. Armand made a great point about development. And at what point does development go out the window? And Alexi Lawless, earlier this week on his podcast, had this to say. But I will say this, Mossy, this is not about qualifying for the World Cup, notwithstanding the incredible failure that was not qualifying for 2018. This has not, nor has it ever been, about qualifying for the World Cup. This is about being able to compete against teams that are better than you and the elites in the world so that when you get to the World Cup, you are able to do something that hasn't been done before. And this is where the rubber meets the road here. Does Greg Berhalter have the players either now or is he developing them? And maybe those are two different questions uh, and, and very separate questions to be able to play the way that he wants. Because right now this team is struggling and maybe and this is this. I was thinking about this uh, earlier, Mossy, and, and and bear with me for here for a second. Maybe we are seeing something right now. And it's not that I fear this, but I, I guess I suspect it that this is a ramp to 2026. And the, 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 the evolution of this is not going to be realized until that time. And so then you say, well, are we okay with potentially failing again or potentially sacrificing another cycle, either not calling for the World Cup or going to a World Cup and not doing well? in order to have this come out the other side because it's such a long-term project. But if it is, nobody has ever said that. Nobody has said this is about 2026, and I doubt that they, uh, that they ever would. But I'm, I have this sneaking suspicion that Greg Berhalter is going to play this way, which is going to mean that the players that we're seeing right now that can't adapt, they're going to age out. But there's going to be another generation behind both of players and of coaches, to be quite honest, that are going to see the way that he wants to play and are going to be aware that if they want to be a part of it, that's the way that they have to play. And this is part of that bigger plan. Now, guys, a lot to unpack there with what Lawless just said, but this is the first time I've heard anybody say that, no, nah, I have a feeling that 
2022 is, isn't the plan here. We're not working towards that. It's, it's 2026 in that you have somebody who is very well connected within U.S. soccer. And Lalas would never admit this if he does know this or if he doesn't know this. But you have somebody well connected within the U.S. soccer and, and the media speculating that this federation might be willing to throw away a chance at the 2022 World Cup. Yeah. It's crazy. But good, good luck selling that to the fan base. You need results. I'm sorry. You need results. People, all they care about in sports is winning. Yeah, if that's if that's a U.S. This is not master plan. We have a problem. We have a very big problem. I mean, I mean, but the thing is, Jake, I kind of see where loss is coming from. Like, you're so insistent on playing this style. But I mean, again, we got to see in competitive action. I doubt Greg really sticks this in competitive action. I really do. I think you see what happens in the what happened in the Mexico match in a Gold Cup, but I kind of go away from it. Uh, Henry Bushnell, a friend of the show, actually had a really good article on talking about how this game was an overcorrection from the Gold Cup match. Because if you remember, in the Gold Cup match, they started lumping the ball forward. You know, they, they went for the principles. This game was all about sticking to the principles. And Henry, he talked about, I was like, hey, look, Greg really wanted to do this, but they weren't doing it well. They weren't occupying the spaces right, and they weren't doing it the right way. So it's kind of a waste of time. But I think it's a really good point from Henry, and I want to see how Greg does in the competitive situation. Will, will he stick to okay, something like this? Okay, but hold up. Hold up. If if Greg Berhalter here is trying his system, and then he gets to a competitive match, and he throws it out the window because it's not working, then what, what the hell are we doing? Somebody explain to me how this is smart. That just seems like you're just wasting more time. That's just that, To me, if, if he wants to play this style of playing out of the back when the, the, the matches don't matter – but then, when they do matter, all of a sudden we're going to scrap the playbook and we're just well, going to. Well, I must, I must say, did. Saying it, scrap it, it. It, it, it's basically like the the, the the nine months before when Dave Sarakin was running the show, which was we're just wandering around aimlessly in the desert, just waiting to, uh, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying scrap it, but if it doesn't work at some point, sure, sure. I, you, you need to make the changes. You absolutely you have, you do need to make judge. the changes. But the question so is, not, when is that line going to be drawn for Greg Berhalter? When is he going to sit know. there and go, crap, I don't know? All right, quickly, before we go to the counterattack, but Armand, what is the timetable for Greg Berhalter in this system? Not asking him to get sacked, but does he have to change it up for the players, or do the players just need to suck it up and learn it? It Honestly, guys, it's not going to be for a while that they're going to they're gonna realize they have to change it. I think so because you have Nations League matches. They're going to win those. I, I they should, they should win those, and they should win those handily. If they lose those, it might accelerate the process. But against teams like Cuba and Canada, like come on, how like, bad seriously. would it be if they were to lose to Cuba and Canada? Would, for, if they if they lose to if they lose to Cuba, then like none of those players on the national team should ever play again because they're terrible. And and Canada would be a very like an, an alarming uh, defeat as well. But no, I think. I guess as Clemson-esque as it might be during the first couple matches of the uh, qualifiers. If it were not to work. Because I think it will work in those Nations League matches. I don't know if it will work in the qualifier matches. And if it doesn't work, you might end up in the hole that Clemson uh, Clinsman had the team in where they lost their first two games. So Bruce kind of come back in, leave the refs for this? No, it'll be Sarah Ken. Bob Bradley to the rescue. Oh, Lord. What about Adrian Heath? 
okay. Okay, buddy. You've got it's it's more likely to be like Jose Mourinho than Adrian Heath. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather have uh, my dog coach Adrian Heath. Shots fired. All right, let's go to the counterattack. Fast-paced, shifty movement, brilliant skill. Goal! It's the counterattack with Jake Watroba. It's counterattack time here on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. It's been a little while. i got to dust this bit off. It's been a few months. So let's dive right in to our first topic up for discussion. Now, guys, LAFC, they've been a little shaky the last two matches. They dropped points at home to Minnesota United, losing 2-0, and then drew to Orlando City. Diego Rossi saved them in the 77th minute. And my question for both of you is, is LAFC more beatable than we think? And I know Steven has the hottest takes, so let's start with him. Oh, I do. I, I feel like this is Atlanta last year. Slowing down here at the end. They're going to win a supporter shield, no problem. I just I question whether or not they're going to be able to find that gear. Man, if Ibrahimovic, although it's it seems unlikely that they're going to make the playoffs, like the Galaxy seem to be f- falling off a cliff. But if the Galaxy somehow are in the way of LAFC, I mean, come on, it's a toss-up. I, I, they're they're slowing down, and maybe they find that gear, and it's, you know, smooth sailing. But right now, yes, they are more beatable than they were five weeks ago. There is a blueprint out there for them. Yeah, so I don't agree with Steven one bit. Um, I actually was talking to a buddy of mine while watching the El Class El Trafico. Oh my God, I almost saw El Clasico, El Trafico. And I said, if Vela was actually hurt, would you rest him for the rest of the season, knowing that you basically have number one seed in Supporters Shield clinched? Uh, and we kind of had a discussion about it. And look, Supporters Shield doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, you get that CCL thing, but like, who cares, right? You get a little trophy, but like, we all know it's MLS Cup. I, no, it, there's no reason to press a panic attack. Get Vela healthy. Lose I'm not all pressing the, the panic you. attack. I'm just saying you that are... they're a beatable team. Oh, they're not beatable. Yes, they are. Minnesota just marched in there and put two nothing up yeah. on them yeah that and, and yeah in orlando city wow. wow 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 that wow. result yeah wow I, I armand i don't know what you are smoking but lafc is a beatable team no Ment- they're not beatable yes they are like no the, the recent results shouldn't show that they're beatable or anything like Oh yes, like, they are. Yeah, yes, yes. Are, Jake, get yeah, okay. Jake, give give it to us. Break it. Look, if look in a one game playoff, yes, of course they're beatable. Any team could beat them in a one off playoff match. We don't have two legged matches anymore, or two legged series or playoff matchups in MLS anymore. But look, Novella in the loss and draw to Minnesota and Orlando, respectively. Let's pump the brakes a little bit on the notion that they're this overrated or pushover. I'm not saying they're overrated. I'm simply saying they are a beatable team. Any team missing the best player on their roster would see a drop-off in performance. 
whether that's against Minnesota United or Orlando City or Atlanta United, you're going to see a drop-off in performance. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk Let's talk a little uh, about my hometown side. Let's talk about specifically Mason Toy. He has six goals and three assists in 440 MLS minutes this year. He started the season on loan with forward Madison in USL League One, and now he's pretty damn important for the Loons. Should he be on Greg Berhalter's radar? Armand? Yes, I think he should be, actually, because they we need more competent forwards in the U.S. soccer pool. And Toy seems like a, a, a really interesting, you know, strong, pacey, knows being in the right position as well. Nice clinical finisher. We saw that with the U23s. We like that. We like that. And I want to see him re- be rewarded for that strong U23 performance. I also wouldn't mind seeing him with the Olympics, on the Olympic team. Yes, I think yes, if yes. Down that way, that'd be perfect. By the way, spending time at Madison forward, going to Minnesota United national team, this is good. This is what you want to see. You want to see these opportunities come about. If you're Greg Berhalter and this is youth movement, why not give it him a chance? You know, bye-bye Jossie Zardes. Let the youngsters come up because if we're planning for 2026, I think Jossie by that time will be too old. Josie Altador by 2026 will be too old. You got to start... Start popping them up. Starting getting them ready. Why not start them early? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a hot toy summer in these parts. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Don't do that again, please. Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> Look, there's no depth at, at the number nine position for the national team. It's outdoor. Then it's Sargent. I guess if you want to include Jossie's artists in there, um, you can as well. But I think, yeah, he definitely should be on Greg Berhalter's radar right now. And I think he warrants a look here at some point, whether that's in, you know, cupcake camp come January or the Nations League. I don't know, whenever it may be. Maybe the Nations League is a little bit too soon. But I do think that Mason Toy should be on Berhalter's radar. And I think he definitely deserves a look here in the very near future but let's keep things rolling here within mls let's talk a little joseph martinez he has scored in 13 consecutive league matches surpassing his previous mls all-time record since mls began play in 1996 the atlanta united forwards consecutive game scoring record is third best in the world martinez sits behind only norwegian forward tor henning hammer who scored 15 straight league games for Estonian club Flora Tallinn in 2003. And also a guy named Lionel Messi. Have you guys heard about this guy? No. Uh, he, in 2013, 2014 season, scored in 21 consecutive league games for FC Barcelona. And guys, the question I have for you is, does Joseph Martinez surpass Messi's consecutive games scoring record? And does it mean anything? Will he do it? Not sure. Does it mean something? Yeah. But Major League Soccer, I don't know. Do we really care that Messi scored in 21 straight games? Not really. And honestly, he'd probably be broken by Messi or Ronaldo when they come to Major League Soccer. 
Yeah, when it comes to MLS, baby. Ooh, with Inter Miami. That, that, that should be fun. Yes, if, if he breaks that record, he is better than Messi. You know, Steven, we do that math. Uh, I think that, that shakes out. That 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 greater sign better. suddenly points. That greater towards Joseph, yeah. I yep. think he's is better. All right. All right, well, let me, let me ask you guys a harder question then. Is Joseph Martinez too good for MLS? Yes. Yes. Wow. Was that quick. was not hard. That was, that was, not hard. That was the softball, right. Jake. You Sorry. sent that one right down the middle of the plate. Okay, where should, okay, should he be like in a Liga MX right now? Would he be doing this yes. in Liga MX? Yes, yes. He, he belongs in Serie A or the Premier League with a mid-table side. Whoa. Okay, well, we're going to change subjects, but I do want you to remember that I believe Joseph Martinez couldn't cut it at uh, Young Boys. So... Too. That's fair. That's fair because Young Boys is, you know, top of the class in in, yeah. in European so, football. Before we say Syria, let's just remember he couldn't cut. He, it. Cut in, he couldn't cut in Syria so either. <laughs> well, there we go. So anyway, let's move on here. Let's talk some uh, some rumors. A little silly season here. Chris Whittingham, English language commentator for Univision, had this to say during the Miami Dolphins radio broadcast. Uh, he said, Radio in Catalonia reporting that David Beckham has reached out to Lionel Messi and his team about playing for Inter-Miami. Also says that the financial offer would be huge in that Barcelona and that the Barcelona board is aware of it. Now, guys, my question to you is, is a Messi signing more important to the league than David Beckham's? Beckham... He was the first to come. He set everything up. Without Beckham, you would never have Messi come. Just saying. So this is... Beckham is 1A. Messi would be 2A. No, this would be the biggest signing in MLS history, like, by by far. This guy is a Biggest signing, legend. yeah, but put it in context. Living Where legend. is the league today versus when Beckham came? Messi will, have, will provide a greater jump for the league. I'll okay, say that's a different. That's a different question. I actually agree with Armand. I think Messi will be bigger, and I think while Beckham signing opened the door for DPS and stuff like that, I think if Messi what were to come it, here next summer, but Jake, it might open up more doors financially for the league and more spending avenues uh, for the league to acquire or bring in even better players. But isn't there a problem, though, if you pay Messi a ridiculous amount, right, salary-wise? Don't you have a league have to make sure that the players at the bottom end of the roster are getting compensated correctly and properly? That's why CBA negotiations are important, baby! Yeah, I know. It's coming up. But you got to... MLS has to be very careful because it's great that you have Messi, but... Messi can pay, make more money by p- putting up one Instagram post than some of these players do in a whole season. No, you're not wrong. But I also think that if I'm one of the lesser-known players in the league, I also understand where Messi sits in terms of his you know, celebrity status and my celebrity status it's you know he's the he's the best footballer on the planet i'm just some schmuck that's every now and then selected into the 18 of a squad so in mls so you kind of have to know 
know where you are here in the uh, in the football food chain, if you will. So that's just my that's just my take on it. I, if I'm making an MLS player making eighty thousand dollars and Lionel Messi comes in here and he's making twenty million a year or whatever the hell David Beckham wants to give him, that can't possibly rub me the wrong way. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, that's it for the counterattack, guys. Great job as always. And now let's kick it over to Armand. Let's do a little two stars, one catfish. That title just rolls off the tongue nicely. USA style. USA style. So number one star, Sergio Desk, guys. Really lively. He's really good. Too bad the USA won't have him for much longer. Uh, the second star is Jake's favorite, Jordan Morris, for scoring a fluky goal in the 1-1 one, one draw against Uruguay. I like that, though. It kind of reads the pressure from Greg, you know? A good draw in that disgusting baseball field. Mm, yes. We love to see it. Yes. Um, yes. The final catfish, El Tree, Mexico. Supposed to be your best team. And it was 4 to Argentina without Messi? We call it, we call it the Ewing uh, uh, theory. When you take away the best player, the team starts playing better. I think that's what we have with Argentina. And that's why Mexico... Is our catfish? How can you like? How can we all think they're so good and they get crushed by Argentina? Wait, wait, no Armand, it's friendly and silly season. Results don't matter. Results don't matter. According to some people out there, results why don't you, matter. So consistency. Why, why are you here. so mad? It's just Twitter. I know. It's and fun. Reddit, and it's Reddit, fun. And Reddit. It's fun to annoy people though. Why are okay. you so mad? It's just, it's just game. It's just yeah, a game. It's just a game. That's true. Anyway, listeners at Onksam Soccer Pod. We want to hear from you. Anything else said on the show? Disagree? Agree? We want to hear from you. Because we've been getting in a lot. A lot. DMs. People tweeting at us. We love it. Absolutely love it. Question of the day. What's most important for the U.S. Men's National Team? I said results. Armand said Nations League. Jake, I don't think you really commented much on it. But I know you're you're thinking a winning Winning mentality. mentality. And building confidence. That's oh, what's most po- important for the team right now. Anyway, at Jake Wachova, at Armakafai, at Stephen Jodderand. And until next time. sounds you'll hear this summer. (laughs) This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants.